And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save-On Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, British Columbia. I'm Tony Gizmondi with Casey Wilson, and this is BC Food and Wine Radio. So much has transpired in the last two weeks since we were on the floor of the Vancouver International Wine Festival. With things in our world changing every day, our promise to you is we will continue to provide for you, both on radio and in podcasts, the positive stories we tell here each week. We thank all of our sponsors during these challenging times as they work to provide to you their best each day. British Columbia-wide businesses like the Wines of BC at Save-On Foods and all our other sponsor partners in Okanagan Wine Country. Wineries who joined us on stage at the Wine Festival, including Culmina Family Estate, Phantom Creek, Black Sage Vineyards, Tinhorn Creek, Black Hills, Laughing Stock and Dark Horse Vineyard, Vesoyas La Rose, Corselets, Border Town, and the duo of Mayhem and Meyer Family Vineyards. As well, we're thankful for our sponsors who partner with us each week from Mount Boucherie, Summer Hill, Watermark, Poplar Grove, Clota Soleil Hillside, and Spirit Ridge. Our message today is to use some of your extra time to go online and check out our partner websites. All of the names we just mentioned have online delivery with their excellent wine club offerings. On the show today, we continue to offer more of the stories we heard on stage at the Wine Festival. Today we'll speak with Harry Hertzig. He's the Executive Director of Wine Festival and Evan Goldstein, who will headline next year's historic continental theme based on South America. Laura Catena of Catena Zapata and Luca Wines will join us from Argentina. And our longtime friend Randy Ellen will give a master class in Chardonnay from Kendall Jackson. Next up, Steve Moriarty, Wine Director at Save On Foods. Stay safe, folks, and enjoy our conversations next here on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save On Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards. Plus, there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save On Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. Culmina Family Estate Winery is excited to share that their newest 2015 Vintage of Hypothesis, their flagship Bordeaux-style red blend, is now available to purchase en premier. Inspired by the futures tradition of Bordeaux, Culmina is offering this unreleased Vintage of Hypothesis in advance of its public release at exclusive en premier pricing. This critically acclaimed vintage is available by the case until March 31st. For more details, visit culmina.ca. Culmina Family Estate Winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science. Mount Boucherie Estate Winery regretfully announces that due to recent developments, all on-site operations at the winery will cease for the foreseeable future. The health and safety of customers and staff are paramount, and therefore, they will be delaying the opening of their new facilities until further notice. The online store will remain open, with free shipping for orders of six bottles or more, and pickup will be available from the wine shop in West Kelowna. For more information and updated developments, please visit mtboucherie.com. 
springtime at Spirit Ridge Resort means sunshine, lounging poolside, dining, relaxation, and wine tasting. Enjoy the day with horseback riding, wine tours, a round at the on-site golf course, even a relaxing spa treatment. At night, warm up around a cozy fire or do some stargazing. Spirit Ridge has it all. Discover a true wellness-centered oasis in the heart of Canada's only desert at Spirit Ridge Resort in Asuyus and experience like none other. Part of the Unbound Collection by Hyatt. Visit spiritridge.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Yeah, the sun. I wouldn't mind soaking up a little sun. And uh, with spring just around the corner, uh, we, <laughs> we thought maybe we should soak up some wine. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> uh, joining us today is Steve Moriarty. He's Director of Wine, Save on Foods, and a great sponsor of the show. We really appreciate that, Steve. Uh, it's springtime, and there's a big... There, there, there actually is a big celebration this year. Uh, I was there at the start. I'm, I'm assuming you were there at the start. Uh, at the uh, British Columbia Wine Institute's 30th anniversary this year, and of course, Save on Foods, we're celebrating that. Yeah. With our launch in April of uh, British Columbia Wine Month. Yeah. Put 30 years, man. It just, it just seemed like it just got started. We, we were only arguing about if the rules were tough enough back then to make wines, VQA wines. But it's been the VQA symbol. I don't know what you think about it as, as a grocer. It, it's been a galvanizing symbol for consumers from the start. Well, what we found in our environment is the consumer always wants to feel confident about what they purchase. Yeah. And the VQA symbol or the VQA tradition embodies that embodies an an integrity about that product yeah and we can't be more thrilled than to support that kind of commitment yeah uh well i don't know about bintner's quality alliance if i i I don't know if anybody could answer what vqa is but they know what it means and i always believed and i always thought yes that means 100 percent bc that's all i need to know after that I, i can make my own decisions one comment we love to make is people will ask us you know, if we've got 1,100 SKUs of wine, which one is good? And we yeah. like, we love to say, well, they're all <laughs> they're BQA. All they're all good. Yeah. You'll just like some more than the others. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so how will you celebrate the month? You're going to, are you, are you going to bring people in or how you feature wines? What, what will big, the deal be? Big deal for us is the, is the, is the tasting for the month of April. Uh, we're going to, we're going to try to uh, get uh, 30 different wineries uh, pouring their wines in our stores. And we're, we also want principals, winemakers, and other noter, noted kind of celebrities in yeah. the wine industry to pour those wines in all of our stores. So it's a big commitment for us to line all that up. But yeah. that's our commitment to 30-year celebration of uh, BC Wines. Yeah. Will you have 30 stores by then? I doubt no, it. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the tough. theme, this is going to be spring. Absolutely. You know, we think we think April is a, a prime time to celebrate. The, you know, there's a lot of new vintages that are hitting our shelves at, yeah. at, uh, right around that time. Uh, there's a renewed uh, kind of enthusiasm about the freshness and, and the perspective of spring with, in the wine industry, British Columbia. So mm-hmm. it's a perfect opportunity to, to celebrate and to tie this together. We're speaking with Steve Moriarty. He's the director of wines at Save on Foods. Uh, spring, well, you mentioned it. Uh, if you uh, you know if you sort of paid attention to the release of wines, and I'm not sure that people do, they just go in the store. But but in terms of BC, the first wines out are those Rieslings, 
and those Pinot Gris, they get released early on, the Rosé. So we're talking uh, 2019 vintages coming into the store about that time in 2020, and then the Chardonnays, the, the, you know, the unwooded ones, and then the wooded ones, and then the red wines follow, you know, through the summer fall. So, so yeah, a lot of fresh, uh, as we say in a good way, green wines coming out early on, and then, uh, and I don't know, you have in the store, you know, it's time for asparagus, it's time for that, that whole switch of the diet, the baby and lettuce, the... And what about some lighter reds, like yeah. Gamay and... Well, you can get some, yeah, you can get some Gamay and some unwooded Pinot at that time. You know, you're not going to get the big Cabernet still in wood, still sitting at the winery, but you do get, you can get an older, like the next vintage back coming around too, so... We do have, uh, we do have a lot of those coming on the two or three years they've been in the in, yeah. in the in the making process so we look at it as it's almost like the christmas of the wine industry is that all this new stuff is coming right. to our shelves and it's it's an opportunity to try so many new 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 configurations of some yeah. of the things that have been around a long time well if you were to look at say that white spectrum what what would be the top two or three varietals that you sell by in, in the store i uh, there's there's no question that pinot gris hands down runs away with with wow. the white category and right behind that is is a growing consensus about blended white wines. Okay. Um, the other thing that's that we've noticed is a resurgent in the Chardonnay business. Like yeah. Chardonnay really, really was soft for a while. Yeah. But winemakers have really elevated the the what I would say is the Chardonnay yeah. game, and there's They've a new. Kind yeah. of com- new commitment. Yeah, they freshen the category by by freshening the wines. I think as yeah. well. So that's that's in a very interesting dynamic we've seen as a resurgence in Chardonnay, which we uh, all but had a funeral for a couple of years yeah. ago. Do people buy food the same way? Like I look at it in terms of uh, people, uh, their tastes in wine change as they. Uh, learn about it and discover it and say, hey, I don't like that. I like this. Oh, yeah, I do like more acid. And so they start exploring other varieties. Do people do that with food too? Absolutely. I, th- I think that the, the, the food the food industry is, is constantly evolving, whether we we, we, have, whether we see it obviously or not, but it is constantly, it's constantly fluidly um, shifting. And what we've seen with our consumer base is, is that that the more our customers become, I would say, exposed or educated with British Columbia wines, the more developed and the more pairing that we see come to yeah. life. That we didn't see that when we first got into the business. It's commonplace now. Who who would uh, oh, go ahead, Casey? I was just wondering about spring. When you talk about your spring wines, what you look to? Like it's long weekends and uh, good time to buy a case. What kind of deals do you have? Ah, excellent deals. Of course, we've got the, the, the great program where if you uh, pick up four or more bottles, any kind of wine, uh, mix and match, um, on sale or not on sale, we'll give you a 10% discount when you pick up those four. In addition to that, if you get a case of wine from us, uh, we'll also add another dollar a bottle, which is another $12 off. So case of wine gets you a 10% wow. discount plus a uh, dollar bottle, which is another 12 bucks. I think a long weekend's a magnum kind of wine, right? Well, uh, at my, my house it would be, yeah. <laughs> so, and I know you've got a good selection of magnums. Absolutely. We love to, we love to dabble in that because we see, uh, we see a, a consumer that's interested in, in uh, that size. And we don't sell a lot, but we have a pretty good selection, I think. They're great party wines. We had a lot of fun with Daryl Jones uh, uh, at uh, Christmas time. Uh, he talked so much about about retailing and how the store works how, how would you describe 
uh, who's the the customer that buys wine? Like, is it a man? Is it a woman? How old are they? What uh, do you have that sort of? Yeah, we have that. That and um, or is it secret info? No, I will share it. It's, it's the fact that it's mostly it's women, and between the ages of thirty six and fifty four, and it's a consumer it's a consumer component that's also very very important to the grocery industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, without a doubt, uh, our male customers buy wine, but the the. I would call it, we call it the soccer mom syndrome, and it fits right into that uh, yeah. that age bracket. Do do men buy, as, they don't buy as much groceries as women, do they? Or uh, historically, uh, no. Um, but that is, is changing. changing. Um, if we were to look at the statistics 25 years ago to what they are today, there's yeah. a distinct difference. It's that men are becoming more self, self-sufficient in the grocery store. And is it easier to influence a man or a woman in the wine shop? Well, that's a loaded question, Casey. Um, I think uh, that that our perspective is that 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 men are looking for more information, and women are looking for what uh, appeals to them. So um, the the male customer may be looking for a different type of wine. Yeah. Uh, the female c- consumer that we have is is traditionally focused on what they like. And yeah. what about the labels? How important are the labels? I think labels are extremely important. In the grocery industry, um, everything that's on the shelves yeah. is, is manipulated or are focused to try to uh, to fit a, a consumer de- de- desire or demand. So I think labels are very important. And if they appeal to the consumer, I think it influences them. Oh, I only want to ask one question. What about black labels? <laughs> Black labels, I think, is is a trend, and it's a it's a cyclical event. They come I, and they go. I don't understand those labels. They're so hard to read, and they're just so black. I think a, I think from a cons- I think there's a consumer marketing course somewhere where everybody tells people that they should have black labels. Oh but man, I think it's I think it's, it's, it's crazy it's trendy. Uh, you got a lot of wine in the store. One of the things uh, we enjoyed on our last visit was uh, this sort of special section. It was glassed off a bit, and you had a lot of top wines in there. Is that a feature in every uh, every store? Or? Absolutely, we call that our legacy case. And you know, we feature wines in there from uh, from sixty to four hundred and fifty dollars. Right. And um, those are the wines that we think that are that are unique to British Columbia and represent the very best of British mm-hmm. Columbia VQA wines. And where does the wine start? Wine price start at Save on Foods. Uh, we have. Uh, Wine generally every day, t- ten two for nineteen ninety nine or ten dollars, wow. and then we range all up. I think our most expensive before the discount. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Then you add the discount on that. Right. Yeah, and the points, and uh, yeah, it's really good. Uh, Steve, great to to catch up with you. Spring is such a invigorating time for all of us. I think uh, the sun is out. And we're going to get outside a bit, maybe patio dining coming up. All those things are happening. So uh, good time for people to stop by any of your stores to uh, check out the wines. Lastly, your stores are open a lot compared to maybe other retail outlets. Uh, we're open. You know, our, our, our wine hours uh, generally available in all of our stores till a uh, minimum of 8 o'clock at night. And uh, sometimes they're a little bit later. Um, but we're open seven days a week, and we've got the same selection every day. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Steve Moriarty, Director of Wines at uh, Save on Foods. There's lots more to come on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save on Foods. Hi, this is Jesse from Black Hills Estate Winery. Join us this spring to celebrate the start of our 20th anniversary season. 
sample our new spring releases, Chardonnay and Carmenere, while relaxing on our sun-soaked patio. Check in with us at blackhillswinery.com to find out more about our 20th vintage commemorative events happening this summer. Or for more information, like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. The Upper Bench of BC Similkameen Valley. For those in the know, it's a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. And it's here, nestled in a sun-laden stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos Winery. Surrounded by an idyllic organic vineyard using natural ferments and small art artisanal winemaking, they produce elegant and age-worthy wines that reflect the unique land. You can find Clos wines in fine wine shops and restaurants across the province or order online at clodisolet.ca. Come and get married in the land of Ing at Watermark Beach Resort in Osuyas. Beachfront on Osuyas Lake, Canada's warmest lake. One stop for all your wedding dreams. Gorgeous lakefront suites at Watermark Beach Resort for you, your family, and your friends. Farm to table South Okanagan cuisine. Dining and whining, laughing and celebrating deep in wine country. <laughs> Connect today. Weddings at watermarkbeachresort.com. And now, from the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival, Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we're live on the floor of the Vancouver National Wine Festival, full of wineries from all around the world, from uh, California. One of our old uh, buddies joins us. Well, he's not so old, but he's a buddy a bit. Yeah, a little on the old side with the gray hair, I guess. Randy Ellum. He's <laughs> the chief winemaker, wine master. They still call you a wine master? Master. master. Wine master, yeah. Wine master yeah. of Kendall Jackson. Welcome back. Oh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. So great Thank to you. have you. And you brought two Chardonnays. I'm completely jacked about that. Uh, you are the king of Chardonnay. People he say that, but, Chardonnay. you know. No, you no, know, it's true. Uh, but you've been growing Chardonnay now, making Chardonnay for how many years, would you say? That's well, for, for Kendall Jackson, 27 harvests, and then another 12 at Deloach Vineyard. So there's, there, now we're 40 39. Years, Plus, man. I, uh, I, did, I tried to talk to some guys in, where I worked <laughs> in New York into the Chardonnay, and they laughed at me. So you, know, you had that one year or two that's years 40. of trying. <laughs> yeah. So 40-plus years. Yeah. Well, then, we're going to guess your age. He's 44. 45 harvests. Exactly. So yeah. how old am I? 46. That's what we're saying. Yes. We're sticking with it. That's the way we add up. We, there's 42 festivals. Casey's 43. I'm 44. We're all good to go. <laughs> okay. Anything in the 40s and high yeah. 40s is good. Thank you. Randy, what, what have you learned in 40 years? What, what is the most important thing maybe you learned about Chardonnay after all this time? So, uh, 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 the, well, the most important thing is where it's grown. You've got to put the grapes in the right spot. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's in the wrong spot. But if you, have, you pick the right spot, a cool, a cool is most important. You know, however, you get yeah. that coolness. And for us in California, it's along the cool coast with the fog and all of that. So that's the most important. And then the, the, and then the soil. And then after that, you know, which, what I've learned is pick when it's ripe. 
go for the go for broke or don't do it at all. Really? And so that takes guts. Yeah, it that's does. That's not easy to do. And sometimes it's. You ever seen that like a movie or a caricature where you've got, you know, the, this guy in a pickup truck going down the railroad track and the train coming or yeah. another truck right. and, yeah. and you know, who's going to pull gonna off get first? There first? Well, that's what we do a lot of times in the harvest wow. with the, with Mother Nature. Yeah. When to pull the trigger? Yeah. But go for the ripeness. Uh, grow the grapes in the right spot, and and then make a wine that everybody likes. And when did you come to that realization? Like I, I know that you like go out and taste the grapes and that, but you know the first four or five vintages, I don't know. I'd be tasting grapes thinking I have no idea. Is it ready? Isn't it? Like no, you know, when, you know. When do you feel? When did you feel confident about? Okay, let's go. Well, actually, it, it, you know, over time, it, it, it does develop. But but if you become like almost like one with the with the grape and the yeah. vineyard. And you're tasting and tasting oh, and tasting, that. and then all of a sudden it just comes. It just just yeah. comes around that corner. It's like an apparition. It, almost, yeah. yeah. And then you say, "Okay, pick them, Dano." Yeah. Yeah. Right on. That's so great. But you have to have some some guts because sometimes you know, with Mother Nature, it's coming at you. But you have to know, don't don't be in a hurry. Mm. If in if if in doubt. Take a day and wait. Yeah. Yes. Well, you've got this magnificent palette of of uh, appellations and sub-appellations and close to the ocean, further up the hill, whatever. So let's start with Vintner's Reserve, which is quite a complicated wine yeah. with my number one beef, maybe the, the simplest name ever, Vintner's yeah. Reserve. But it's yeah. a super complicated Chardonnay, and well, it's never been better than it is this year. Uh, I oh, don't know what you. you're doing, but you're killing it. We're just dialing it in a little bit better every year. And, yeah. and so the what, what's fun about the Vintner's Reserve, it is the most complicated, you know, log, uh, lo logistically speaking, mm -hmm. uh, to make because we have so many, so many vineyards up and down the coast, and we keep all of the lots separate. So lots and blocks and vineyards so it can be up to a thousand different lots that go into this wine wow. that we constantly have to taste and figure out what we're going to do but the neat thing about the the vintners reserve is there's a bell curve of flavors for each of the regions along this the coast of california so right. mendocino is your crisp green apple Mono or uh, uh, sonoma county russian river gives you the ripe apple Carneros gives you the pear and the pear oil, that viscosity. Yeah. And then you head down to Monterey where we 50% of the grapes are and you get the lemon and the lime, sort of the citrine character. Mm -hmm. And then you head down to Santa Barbara where 35% yeah. of the grapes are and yeah. you get that tropical mango papaya. Uh, and then the Santa Maria Valley where yeah. the next wine comes from is that unctuous liquid meal. Wow. And then you ferment all that in barrels and stir the leaves. And this is what you get. Yeah. And it's how do you get it all everywhere? And, and, and Vintners Reserve, which is, you know, it's not a small production. It's all barrel fermented. Yeah, what, well, 95%. 95, 95, which is darn close oh, to 100. You're, you're really uh, shaking yeah. things up. Eh? Oh, you're yeah, complexing. totally. Yeah, yeah. 94 to 95, yep. Wow. And we stir the lees guaranteed uh, uh, once a month, which is important because that adds that viscosity. Yeah to the side of the palate there, that, that sure. creaminess. And for people who don't know, when you barrel ferment a wine, like a single barrel, which is about 20... 24 20, cases. 24 cases. Yep. That's a child. That is a child. That is so a unique lot and, and also. And how many barrels do you ferment a year down there at KJ? Uh, 100, 110,000 barrels. 110,000 oh children every year you Totally, have. totally. <laughs> you yeah, are the yeah. father <laughs> of the year, man. <laughs> oh, totally. I don't know yeah. how you do it. Yeah, the pressure and the, to and get that straight <laughs> is amazing. Randy, how has Chardonnay changed over the years? So that's really a, a, a great question because when I first came out to California, um, 
you know, almost 40 years ago. In those days, Chardonnay, we, we were doing crazy things. We were uh, you know, picking the grapes, crushing the grapes, and putting them into these stainless steel potter tanks to give them skin contact time, and then dumping that into a press, and on and on and on we go. And then that's changed to get it away from the skins as fast as you possibly can. Radical change. And then the other thing was, in the beginning, everybody was trying to protect or, or yeah, protect the the Chardonnay grapes and juice from oxidation. Well, now it's like, yeah, oxidize the bejesus out of it, get that over with, and then you have a nicer wine at the end. So it, it's qu quite amazing that that error of how things have, have gone. Yes. And all for, for the better. Randy Ellum, Chief Wine Master. Kendall Jackson is our guest. Uh, the second wine, Randy, is, uh, well, I've just been tasting it. It's just, it's it just, is a liquid meal. It is just, <laughs> it's, so, it's so creamy and leasy and, and, and uh, tropical and delicious. It's all, all there in one, one go, but it's, and yeah. it's refreshing, too. It like, is. Like so you want to finish it. You want to keep drinking it. Oh, I know. It's like it's addictive. You know, the first sip is free. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Camelot, the, so that we tried the Vintners Reserve, sort of uh, that we make a, a fair amount of, and then we have a Grand Reserve, and then this is our, our Jackson Estate tier, a vineyard designate from Camelot Highlands in Santa Barbara. But what's really cool about this is in Santa Barbara you have the Santa Maria Appalachian, and in the Santa Maria Appalachian you have the Santa Maria Bench. That's the filet of that Appalachian. And then you have this vineyard, Camelot, which is the filet of the filet. Wow. Yeah. 40-year-old vines on their own roots. This is full-on tropical unctuousness. And this is probably, well, it's 100% barrel ferment, all French oak. And where the Vintners is 10 or 11% new, this is from around 40 or yeah. so percent new. But it is a liquid meal. It's fantastic. Well, you know, we've been listening to French all week talk about terroir. This right. is a transversal valley. It's open to the Pacific. East-west, yeah, yeah. Very much east-west. rare in California event. All the other valleys really are sort of, they're north, northwest to southeast yeah. following the, you know, the fault lines there. And this one goes east-west, so the, the fog comes in very quickly. It leaves in the morning. Quickly, it has the lowest or the narrowest diurnal temperature. Yep. So it's 55 to 78 versus maybe Sonoma County, which is 54 to 100. Yeah. So you have a very long season because of that. The longer the season, the longer the hang time, the better the natural flavors and, and the acid levels are are maintained. And you can taste that in this wine. So if I, I want to ask you two questions. What makes a Chardonnay cool, and what is your favorite food to eat with one of your Chardonnays? Well, to make it cool is it's got to smell good, taste good, and have a long finish and beckon for another sip. Okay. And, and then what goes best with Chardonnay is, is in, in California, we have the Dungeness crab. I'm sure you have yes. it here, too. Yeah. But fresh Dungeness crab. Yeah. Yes. Which is very rich oh, and hard with to a beat bunch that. of newspapers and exactly and that wine. and the Chardonnay and maybe some little you know little slices of French uh, French um, uh, baguette yes. with yeah. maybe some some you know triple oh, cream cheese here, yeah and oh. that's heaven you're killing me Randy. absolutely heaven <laughs> welcome back to Vancouver what have you been doing you didn't get any skiing in this time no it's interesting because I I, I I was afraid to go skiing this time because. 
I was coming up here and yeah. then and then originally going to leave tomorrow mid afternoon yeah. to go to Asia. Yeah. So there, for two weeks, uh -oh. so it was like a three week trip. So I did. I felt guilty being away long, even longer. Yeah. And then of course the trip, you know, the, that whole trip got uh, canceled. So I'm going to stay through till Saturday, but there's no skiing this time. I'm going to make up yeah. for it next year. Yeah. I'm going to yes. come early and ski before and after. after. Good idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're happy to have a little Chardonnay virus today here at our uh, oh, this at is, our radio broadcast yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. It's so delicious. This will take care of everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, somewhere up there where Jess Jackson is now, he's got to be pretty happy with the way things have carried on. Uh, oh. Barbara and the, the kids now, it really it looks like a great future for the for the entire team. It does. I mean, Barbara has taken control of the family uh, business. You know, people were thinking when he passed away she'd sell or something. Yeah. but. He, he had a mission, and, and, and everyone in his family understood it. Yeah. Barbara is as smart, if not smarter, yeah. than Jess and going forward. And then the ch their children are rising up and doing all these different things. Katie was here yesterday talking about climate change. Julie is sort of doing the same. Christopher is working with Stone Street and his beer and in the finance side and the vision of the company. Yeah. He's the heir, you know, kind of, if I were going to pick, you know, Who's the next Jess? You know, after yes. you know this, all this stuff happens, it'll be Chris and Ari because Je uh, Chris is very much like Jess, and yeah. Ari is very much like Barbara. Yeah. So it's really exciting to watch, and they're all in, and they all have this same vision of Jess, and they're they're pounding on the table saying, "No, no, no, we're here for hundreds and hundreds of years. Don't." anybody deviate from that it's yeah, amazing fantastic. it is amazing you might be there for hundreds of years randy yeah yeah i'm in spirit yeah <laughs> <laughs> so great to see you man good to see you guys yeah. thank you for everything please uh, keep going because it's your energy that that uh, it's reflected in the wine and in the company it's fantastic oh, thank you well we've got really good dirt and good team good grapes so yeah. with all that we try to do the best we can so randy that's, what, that's what makes randy ellum cool yeah. <laughs> Randy Ellum, Mr. Cool. Mr. Chardonnay, actually. Uh, Randy uh, Ellum from Kendall Jackson. Uh, if you're in the tasting room, go by to KJ and say hello to Randy. He's got a pile of wines over there he'd love you to taste. We do. Thank you. Thank yeah, you so much. Thanks so much. You're listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And we're live from the floor of the 42nd Vancouver International Wine Festival. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Savon Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards. Plus, there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Savon Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. Hi, this is Duncan from Hillside Winery and Bistro. Join us this season for the ultimate Naramata experience. Delight your senses as you sit back and savor our locally inspired food and wine. Handcrafted wines made exclusively from Naramata grown grapes, terroir to table cuisine, and striking views of Okanagan Lake and its surrounding vineyards. It's all right here at Hillside Winery and Bistro. Don't miss their grand reopening the weekend of March 20th. Find out more details at hillsidewinery.ca. And now, from the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival, Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. 
2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival. Uh, we're broadcasting today from the floor of the festival in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> France is the theme, but our next guest, uh, I think she probably loves French wine, but she's from Argentina and uh, knows a lot about the wines of Argentina. Makes one of the greatest wines in Argentina. Laura Catena back in the studio. Great to have you. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks Thank for you, joining us. Dr. Laura Catena, she also works as a doctor in uh, San Francisco when she's not busy at the winery. Uh, and we're just so delighted to have you in Vancouver. It's great to have you back. I can't believe you're here, actually. And I love the connection between medicine and winemaking. Tell us what you've really learned in medicine that helps you with winemaking. Well, you know, in medicine, you are doing this mix of science and art. Uh, a great doctor has instinct. You know, they walk into a room, they can tell immediately if the patient's sick or not, you know, without even looking at the vital signs. And in wine, there's also th this mix of science and wine. You need to understand the science. You need to understand fermentation. You need to understand when there's a problem with the wine. But then actually making a blend or looking even at a vineyard, you know, is the vineyard healthy or not? Mm. You know, half of it is the measurements, you know, yes. the show under pump and all these technical things. Half of it is, is your eyesight. You look at the vineyard and you can tell, is there a virus in this vineyard? It doesn't need more water. And really there's a lot of similarities between winemaking and medicine, believe it or not. And in medicine, there's a lot of teamwork. So that's also important in winemaking. Yes, absolutely. When I uh, started working at my family winery about 25 years ago, I w started working in, in the setting where it was all top down, you know. Yes. Um, my father would uh, work with his top three people who then would spread the word, you know, down the ladder. Mm -hmm. And um, when I came, I was used to working with everybody because, you know, every person is extremely important. You know, from the person pruning, actually doing the work in the vineyard, to the, the person cleaning the barrels, to the person making the blends, to the person selling the wine. If any of those go wrong, you have a problem. And in, in the hospital, you know, when you're resuscitating a patient, any mistake can lead to a bad outcome. And so teamwork is extremely important. And I took that to the winery. And actually, my dad is the biggest fan of my system now. Good. <laughs> That's great to you, hear. You know, one of my favorite stories was when I met you was, was about uh, you using a, uh, not a cell phone, but a uh, when you spoke to your employees. Oh, yes. Uh, the radio. The yeah, radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you could speak to them on the radio in yeah. San Francisco, and they would think you were just down the Absolutely. street, and you got a better yes. result from them from yes. that. Yes, it, it was incredible. So I feel like I'm in the vineyard. I get calls yeah. from the vineyard. They show me pictures, and, you know, we have Internet all over the vineyards, and it's it's amazing how much you can communicate yeah. with, uh, with people across the world. And I think that's why wine has become so international. It's so amazing that, okay, so to go to Argentina, it's a long flight, but you could have some Argentine wine and, and yes. feel yeah. the country. Exactly. And food and be in the place. And yes. uh, You know, everybody goes to, to, to Buenos Aires, but uh, they yeah. should go to Mendoza That's too yeah. and to Salta and to all these great places. Or on a Sunday, you yeah. can sit with your friends and barbecue. You can do vegetables, oh, you can barbecues. do meat, and spend six hours eating, drinking, and talking. And like the Argentines. you'd be in Argentina <laughs> I in, like that. in yes. your mind. Yeah. Yes, right. That Drinking in moderation. Yeah. Oh, of course. Well, how, what is moderation, <laughs> doctor? Well, I feel very strongly about moderation in alcohol because I think that wine is a very healthy drink. 
Uh, if you drink it in moderation, it causes, you know, 30% reduction in uh, heart attacks, strokes, uh, dementia. It's very healthy. However, if it's not drunk in moderation, it's not healthy. It actually causes all kinds of bad things from strokes to heart problems, you know, to none social of the benefits problems, to social right? problems. Uh, and actually, even a small amount of alcohol can increase the risk of certain cancers. Not a lot if you drink it in moderation, but a little bit. So the, r the current recommendation is not to drink wine every day. So, you know, maybe three, four times a week, have a glass of wine. Men can have two glasses of wine and that's enough. And never drink too much on one day. Mm -hmm. So that that's that's what can bring you the joy and the happiness. You know, people who drink wine smile more. There was a yeah. study about that. Oh and, yeah. And joy is an important factor of life, and it, it's actually an important factor of health. But people who are happier get sick less. Mm -hmm. Yes. So wine can be an important part of a very healthy and happy lifestyle. Uh, Laura, you brought two wines. Uh, Malbec yes. is uh, is the big story in Argentina. Of course, there's yes. other stories, but you're very passionate about Malbec. Yes. Uh, you brought two. One we're going to talk about from the label on in, but let's yes. just talk about the Catena Malbec, this widely available high mountain vines. People yes. can find it everywhere. What, what is this? So what I love about Catena Malbec is it, it's like our Chanel number no. five. It's a classic. It's, yes. it's the first Malbec that many people have when they want to get serious about wine. And it's a blend from three different altitudes. So you get the same plant selection, so the same genetic material, which is only available in Argentina, because most of the Malbec selections in the world in France were lost after Phylloxera, but they have been kept in Argentina. We have hundreds of different cuttings. It's one of the most diverse populations of any variety existing in the world. Planted at different altitudes, give you these different flavors, and then you blend it, and you get this wine with the minerality of the high altitude, the texture of the middle altitude, and the... the um, you know, the, the smoothness mm -hmm. of some of the lower altitude areas and different soils. So to me, it's just a, a really beautiful, elegant wine that, that screams Malbec. You know, if you were at one of these master sommelier tests, which they often have this wine. Yes. And if you don't guess that this is Malbec from Mendoza, yeah. you fail. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you don't even get That's an M. That's a great way You to don't put even it. get an M uh, yeah. as well right, as an right, MW. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah, it's so distinctive, and but uh, I say distinctive, but it has evolved quite a bit in the last 20 years as well. More mm -hmm. finesse, uh, just yes. uh, more complexity, more interest, uh, and you've had a lot to do with that by yeah. searching for different clones and different yeah. soils and yeah. researching all that to death. Yeah, no, well, one thing is that we found that at the higher altitudes, we had cooler climate, you know, something that you're seeing here in Canada. You, you guys make really elegant, beautiful wines because of the cool climate. And we found that these areas were the place to make the most concentrated, elegant wines. And um, But th there's some texture and something that comes from the warmer climate. Yeah. And one thing is when Argentina first started exporting, everybody got a little overexcited about oak. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the wines from 20 years ago had too much oak. And I agree with you that, that the wines, not That's just from our winery, but from many other wineries, yeah. are much more elegant now. Yeah, it's all been dealt with. Uh, the second wine is quite amazing. We don't have a lot of time, but obviously we want to talk about the Argentino because it's very special from the label on out. Yeah. So this wine comes from old vines in our family's vineyard. So the average age is around 55. And the label tells the story of Malbec. 
So Malbec dates back to Roman times, 2,000 years ago. Then the first woman on the label. It's, it's a label that tells the story of Malbec through the lives of four women. The mm -hmm. first woman is Eleanor of Aquitaine, who famously in the 12th century got married to her second husband, the English king, mm -hmm. drinking Malbec. Then we have uh, the... Which sealed the deal for Bordeaux, right? For Bordeaux, exactly. Yeah, that's when wine. she... Because she wanted to protect her interests yeah. in yes. France, in England. Yeah. And, and that's how it really, you know... Uh, France became the wine that was drank all over Europe is thanks to her. And her wine was Malbec. Yeah. Then the second woman is represents my great-grandmother, the Italian immigrants who came to Argentina. And my great-grandmother, uh, her husband, called my great-grandfather called her, her his vine whisper because when oh. she planted a vineyard, it would grow beautifully. And one time she was pregnant and uh, somebody else planted a vineyard and it didn't do well. So from then on, my great-grandfather says, you know, the only one who can plant our vineyards is Anna. And then the third woman is actually not a woman. It's phylloxera. It's an aphid that uh -huh. destroyed the vineyards of Europe. Yep. And actually, when that happened in the 19th century, Malbec was the most widely planted variety in the Medoc, where all the famous first growths come from more than Cabernet Sauvignon. Yep. And then the fourth woman is my sister Adriana. She's sitting on the, the, the world uh, with, with a picture of South America up front. Uh, you know, not Europe, not North America, South America. And um, she represents the rebirth of Malbec in Argentina. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful that's label. a great tribute, and the wine is even more special than all that. Yeah, that no, that's story. important. Like you don't want to yeah. have a fancy label on a bad wine. Yeah. I'm, yes, I love exactly. this wine. It's just so rich and beautiful and age-worthy, and yeah. Uh, yeah. And were you saying I uh, that way back that they did put Cabernet with Malbec? So yeah, so in Bordeaux, mm -hmm. uh, in in the 18th and 19th century, the blend was always Cabernet with Malbec because Cabernet was too tannic. And Malbec is very concentrated, but it has these really smooth tannins. So I've read some ancient French texts that would say, don't ever bottle Cabernet alone. Always blend it with Malbec. Mm -hmm. Laura, uh, so great to see you. I wish we had hours to talk to you, but uh, we're going to have days to talk to you next year as the theme region That's in That's right. Uh, I can't Vancouver. wait to be here. Dr. Right. Laura Catana, thanks so much yes. for joining us on Thank the show guys. today. It's Thank fantastic. You. Thank you. You're listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. There's more to come. This is the BC Food & Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Spring is in the air, and Tin Horn Creek Vineyards invites you to celebrate the coming of the sun with a trip to Oliver before the crowds come. Their tasting room is open daily from 10 till 6, and the award-winning Miradoro restaurant is also now open for the season. Join the Crush Club and get VIP treatment, including club-only wines, early access to new releases, and more. Plus, pick up your 2020 Canadian Concert Series early bird tickets online now before they all sell out, and get all four concerts for the price of three. Details at tinhorn.com. Have the extraordinary organic wines of Summerhill Pyramid Winery in the pristine Okanagan Valley delivered to your door. When you become an organic ambassador, a portion of every purchase you make at Summerhill goes back into your account, which you can use towards future purchases anytime. Share the love with your friends to earn even more credits. Find out more about Summerhill Pyramid Winery's organic ambassador program and order online by visiting summerhill.bc.ca. And now, from the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival, Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. 
Well, welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we got uh, two strangers in the studio here. Uh, I haven't seen Evan Goldstein forever. Wine writer, <laughs> San Francisco, uh, big dog, big shot. You're very kind. You're the man, You're Mr. Mr. Kind. America. Uh, Harry Hertzig, of course, is the director of the Vancouver Wine Festival. Both of these people are going to be instrumental in uh, the 2021 Wine Festival, uh, which uh, we almost going to be South America. It seems like a fantastic theme uh, to bring to Vancouver, but a lot of work is going to have to be done. First of all, what, what is South American? Uh, what does that mean in terms of wine, do you think? Maybe I'll, I'll start with you, Evan. No, Tony, that's a, that's a terrific question and a very interesting observation because the reality is, is, is it's, a, it's a big continent, number one. There are 12 independent nations that make up that continent, and 10 of them produce wine. Yeah. Um, and we have a tendency to pigeonhole it down into two. And obviously Argentina and Chile from a volumetric standpoint and an image standpoint are huge and deservedly so. But people um, are becoming increasingly aware. Um, for example, uh, at the festival in 2020, Uruguay was there with Bodega Garzón. And there are wineries in Brazil and other wineries in Uruguay. And there's a nascent industry um, happening that's been historically in Peru for the Pisco business, yep. in Bolivia for the Singani business, primarily distillates that are branching out as those population bases, certainly in places like La Paz, are getting much more sophisticated in demanding fine wine from their own stuff and not just buying from other countries. How many do you expect, Harry, may show up uh, when it's all said and done? Let's say 50. 50 would be Place fantastic. Wow. Yeah. When Chile was the theme, they tend to bring uh, around 30 or, or so. Yeah. Argentina has been the theme once in yeah. the Olympic year when they partnered with New Zealand. Yeah. What's interesting about that is that we paired two countries that don't compete. You know, New Zealand, Melbeck, yeah. almost non-existent, doesn't gonna compete with Argentina, Melbeck. Yeah. So that year we had 35 Argentina. Yeah. And then a couple of years ago, we put Spain and Portugal together. And right. a lot of people said, you can't do that. They don't get along. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, I know two more countries that don't get along with each other. And yeah. that's why they built the Andes, so they keep the Chileans and Argentinians apart. Yeah. And then I, you know, I thought, there's a lot going on. And, and increasingly, the number one uh, tourism market that's growing in Vancouver right now is Mexico and the Latin American tourists. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not going to the US. And chefs love Latin American flavor. So he's just kind of adding all this up. Yeah. And even if it's going to be mostly Argentina wineries and Chilean wineries, we have our secret weapon, Yeah. Evan Goldstein. <laughs> exactly. Well, there, there's a lot of people making sparkling wine and other uh, still wine now in Brazil. And it's a pretty vibrant industry. So I think we'll... we'll, we, we'll, we'll I mean, a lot of people want to come to Vancouver, too, for a few days. So See, Most definitely. Dragging people like Evan Goldstein and Andrew Jefford last uh, year yeah. up why here. Would, why would you want to leave San Francisco and come over here where the food's unbelievable? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 I was reminded. I haven't been here, as you know, uh, yeah, for, for some quite time. a while. And it, I, I was reminded how much I absolutely love it up here. And the, the food scene, how the wines have evolved in Okanagan, which I was, yeah. you know, yes. I spent most of the last... A uh, couple days in 2020, just going around and tasting Canadian wine because we simply don't get the opportunity, and was blown away with that. Obviously, the food scene here is um, rocking. Uh, so no, I'm I, more always excited to spend more time up here. Well, well all the chefs used to go down to San Francisco for ideas. So now I think you know we finally got it together. Some of them come up here for ideas. Now. Most definitely. So I want to know. How did you get so involved in South American wine? How did that start? It's a very interesting question. Um, probably somewhere in the uh, 10, 10 plus 
years ago thing when uh, my business was starting. Uh, we started, you know, we were looking for different regions to work with, and we were actually approached at the time by Wines of Argentina, um, and they just sort of said, hey, we want to do some things, we want to do some programming, we understand you, you do that, and we started working with them, and we were excited because we've always uh, historically, I like to work with the underdogs, and at that time, Chile was the, was yes. the big dog there, and Argentina was sort of up and coming, and so this is great and all that, and then they did really, really well, and because we were right sort of essentially next door, the Uruguayans kind of, you know, caught on and said, wait a minute, can you come visit us while you're here? And mm -hmm. then the Brazilians were like, well, you know, Uruguay is technically part of our property, but so why don't you come up and visit us? So I started going down there on a regular basis, and then several years later um, became more and more passionate and enthralled about it as I saw the sort of meteoric rise mm -hmm. of quality that you were, you were seeing down there and decided to write a book about it. And uh, that was several years ago, and... Um, it was a labor of love, but I really decided I wanted to take a continental approach as well, too. There'd been very little written about South America at the time. The last uh, credible um, continental book Monty Walden had written years ago. And, if, yep. and it was, you know, things changed so fast. It, it was a great book at the time, but a book is a Fuji snapshot in time. You know, yes. the first time I visited uh, Laura Catena, she, as soon as I met her, she shook my hand, and then she stuffed this 35-page full-scrapped uh, uh, about uh, uh, writing in my hand and she said this is the story of Argentina all the stuff you read is complete crap and it doesn't make any sense at all she said please read this don't believe in these stuff and that was like 25 30 years ago yeah. but she was right and it was great that she was already on to that she's, uh, she's an extraordinary her family are such great ambassadors I mean her father obviously flipped the entire wine industry on its head and took yeah. it from being more volume focused to being more quality focused. And Laura has simply picked up there with her research, her yes. the new Catena Institute, yeah. um, all of the, the pioneering work they've done in terroir and micro terroir. Yeah. You know, she's actually helping, if not that you're surprised, driving um, what's going to be, I think, a new cruise system yeah. there. So they've gone from being like Argentina to you need to know Mendoza to you need to know Lujan de Cujo and you need to do yeah. that to then going into subspecificity, that's the next level. Yeah. Exactly. I'm interested in how you might consider involving the Canadians with the South Americans because, you know, they come here and then everybody's sort of in their corner talking about, but we need to get some crossover. Mm -hmm. And there, there could be a lot of interesting areas that we could cross over in. Uh, like, you know, for me, the South Okanagan is a lot like the high altitude Argentina mm -hmm. and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It would be fun to, to have some events where where there was a truly Canadian sort of South American crossover. I think that would be Sharing fabulous. Sharing of information. Yeah, I know, and Harry brought up too, you know, they're, they're, the, the, the uh, food oftentimes tends to ambassador the wines yes. along. It's certainly the case with French food and French wine, Italian food and Italian wine. And there has been, you know, a recent embracement of all things Latino in uh, not only, I do like the idea of, 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 of uh, South America annexing Baja, California. I think that's a good <laughs> thing. Good. To yeah, in, some well too. in some yeah. capacity. In some capacity. But I, I love the, I love the fact there, and maybe it could be through a platform of food and something like that, pulling it together. The other thing that's really interesting is that, you know, if you look at, 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 at capitals or subzones, you know, you could almost create these, for lack of better words, sort of sister city types of yes. things where there might be cross-pollination in one way uh, of doing something like that. I mean, varietally, there yeah. could be some crossovers. Stylistically, there could be some crossovers. Innovatively, there could be some crossovers. We're speaking with Evan Goldstein. I don't even know what what kind of title will you have for this will you have for the fair? You're, will you lead Keynote the speaker? 
keynote speaker. You know, and that way it keeps the fees down because it sounds like he's doing one event. Yeah. And then <laughs> and what Andrew Jefford learned yeah. last exactly. year is that the next thing you know, you're at the VIP reception, you're yeah. at you're at a trade event. You're at, yeah. We start you in a kind of a humble way uh -huh. and, you know, small gathering of out-of-towners and then the kind of next thing you know, you're at a plenary of 160 <laughs> and then... But we old sommeliers and restaurant people, we don't even flinch. That's what we do. That's right? Exactly. That's what we do. Well, I've never been a keynote speaker anywhere, so I'm, I'm, I'll be interested to hear what you have to say about South America. You're Tony Gismondi. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Casey Wilson. After uh, 22 years together? I, oh, my God. I, I, I'm really excited about South America. I, I love those people. They're very passionate. They're very humble. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're new. They're, they're finding their way. And I think the stories are great. And, and I think what's really important is that, you know, we all tend to want to put things in little boxes and put bows around them. And, yeah. you know, Malbec has certainly been something that has had lots of legs and all that. But yeah. there's, there's other so great varietals. Yes. There's, you yeah. know, looking at Torrantes and Bonarda. There's yeah. the rediscovery of the old grapes. You know, the Criola Chica, yeah. the Pais of Chile, yeah. the Carignans, things like that, to really help blow out the fact that it's a lot more than a yeah. two-trick pony. Yeah. Yes. We need Pedro Pera here to talk about some of that for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Or Alvaro Espinosa. I mean, there's some wonderfully dynamic uh, people who have been leading the charge and discoveries yep. of terroir and you know, the pushing, or, you know, Aurelio Montes pushing down yes. into Osorno and moving yeah. up to Atacama. And, and yeah. You know what? I said to him, you're the only guy I know that could wear a cape. <laughs> That's true. He's so interesting. He's an amazing guy. When I was writing my book, he was my first interview. And it actually happened to be timely because he was taking a sabbatical from his wineries and was up in the Bay Area getting his pilot's license. And I remember... Uh, chatting with uh, somebody saying, oh, I'm just, trying, I'm just trying to put my, some of my keynote interviews there. And so, you know, it happens that he's going to be in the area there. And I invited him over for, you know, ostensibly a, a cup of coffee and, uh, and a croissant or something. And he ended up spending like eight hours with me and telling me, you know, stories and depth. And it also just shows you the generosity of spirit. Yes. The generosity of heart that these people have. Yeah. And just sort of un unraveling, you know, a, a history that dates back, you know, to the 1400s. I mean, a lot of people don't know that, that we tend to think of things in, in short blocks. But yeah. one, grapes are not native to the South American continent. Mm -hmm. They were brought over yes. in varying waves and stuff like that. And they continue to be. And they continue to, re to to innovate and change. And you know, you mentioned Pedro Parra, somebody who's not just leading the charge in in Chile, but, but now in Argentina worldwide. and globally, he's consulting yeah. in California, yeah. maybe consulting here in Canada. He I does. He's know. got two big projects here. Yeah. And Important. Evan, before you leave, you have to give us the name of your pairing books to our listeners. They are the two best books. If you're interested in food and wine, there are not two better books. You're so kind. Uh, both of them are with the University of California Press uh, out of the Bay Area. My publisher would kill me if I didn't say that. The first book was called Perfect Pairings, and the second book was called Daring Pairings. Yeah. Excellent. Great. Harry? Get some sleep, buddy. It's going to be a big one. I'm excited. You know, we've done theme regions and theme provinces and theme states and theme countries. You know, what's new after 42 years? We're doing our first ever theme continent. continent. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be happy to and do a theme hemisphere, but, you know, one, you know, some baby steps. But and I'm excited. And about I've <laughs> heard that you're going to start the tastings at 10 p.m. Wow. And they're going to go for three hours. Ten till one. Yeah, absolutely. South American time. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But I'm Jeez. excited that we're working with Evan is going to help us get some of those uh, unusual grapes and you know, get a little action with Peru, Bolivia. You have great contacts. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way you do those pairings, it's just uh, no, it's Evan's fantastic. a great person to work with. 
Yes. Thank you, Harry. I'm look, excited. Yeah. Yes, we Look forward are. to it. Can't start soon enough. Thanks so much, gentlemen. Our pleasure. Uh, My pleasure. I assume it's your pleasure, too. It right? always is. <laughs> back to the drawing board, and we'll see you all soon. Okay. Looking forward to it. Evan Goldstein and Harry Herchick, thanks so much. I think everybody's excited about 2021 uh, with the theme of South America. The first time we'll have a continental theme uh, here at the Vancouver National Wine Festival. So you, you gentlemen got a lot of work to do. You better uh, get going. We'll be, uh, we can't wait to see you soon uh, to taste all those wines. I'm Tony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. We're live from the floor of the Vancouver International Wine Festival. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.